Welcome to the New Reality Show, where you can call in live for laser coaching and engage in Q&A with doctors Art Emrich and Christina Winsey. Discover how to master the power of your mind, body, and spiritual energies. Get empowered to create your new reality for more happiness, well-being, and success. Well, hi, Dr. Dr. Art. It's Friday night again. Hello, Dr. Chris. Good to be with you again. You bet. And I'm, I always enjoy our, our show and our guests, and we have a really great guest this time. But, you know, every week I tell the audience who we are, what we do, and why we started the show. And I think it's your turn. Okay. With, uh, without preparation, let's see what comes out here. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> well, Dr. Chris and I have a history of working one-on-one with our uh, clients and uh, patients in her case. And um, we thought that it would be a good idea because we had such a rich history of, uh, of th- helping people with various different things that um, have not gone well in their lives, that if we could reach more people at the same time, that would be really good use of our time. So uh, we, uh, we got a name of this uh, idea of um, the butterfly coming out of this uh, cocoon as a transformed and, uh, uh, creature. And um, so um, we, we got the, uh, the radio TV station started and we've been doing this for just about a year now, uh, once a week, Friday at nine o'clock uh, Eastern, uh, to try to bring uh, great guests. And we have a great one tonight uh, for you. So um, if not, then uh, the two of us just uh, banter back and forth about a topic that we'll pick out that we think and hope will be of interest to a wide group of people in our audience. Our goal is to bring um a little bit of conceptual material about what the problem is, but primarily some solutions that people can take away and immediately use to help make their life a better, uh, uh, a better experience than the one they've been having. So that's what this is about. Um, we, uh, we hope that we are hitting the mark with our topics and uh, that you're enjoying and learning from what, what we have to present. Awesome. See, I knew you could do it. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I love springing things on you because uh, ad lib is always best. Yeah, I'm going to spring a, uh, a a topic of the week here uh, on you one time here and see. Okay. So be ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will. Well, this is a, um, uh, a weekly show, 9 p.m., and we have very wonderful subscribers, and we want to thank our subscribers. Yeah. Um, they can, uh, if you get benefit out of this show and you'd like to help us support us, because it, it does cost money to keep the show going, and we want to reach as many people as possible, and we have a mission, as Dr. Art talked about, 
then uh, you can go to our show page and there's a way to subscribe to this show for as little as $2.99 a month, which turns out to be 75 cents a show. So if you think that personal growth and solutions and all kinds of great guest interviews is worth 75 cents a week, then we invite you to be one of our sponsors. And you can give more if you'd like. (laughs) So there are different levels of of subscribers. Um, So now we're going to go to one of my favorite parts of the show, Dr. Art, which is um, first I want to say who we're bringing on and then you'll do your tip of the week. So we are lucky enough to have Julie Phillips Hatch. She is a parenting expert and has a very unique approach to parenting and an incredible amount of experience and wisdom to bring. So if you're a parent, listen up, because she's going to share some really great jewels and gems with you. So Dr. Art, let's do your tip of the week. Okay, um, this is going to be seven little tips, little tiplets, I guess you can say, one for each day <laughs> of the week. Um, it comes from a book called Sayings of a Jewish Buddha. Uh, mm-hmm. It's from the book Zen Judaism by David M. Bader. And mm-hmm. so here we go. Uh, number one, be here now, be someplace else later. Is that so complicated? <laughs> okay, number two, wherever you go, there you are. Your luggage may be another story. (laughs) Uh, Number three, Zen is not easy. It takes effort to attain nothingness. (laughs) Number four, breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Forget this and attaining enlightenment will be the least of your problems. (laughs) Number five, deep inside you are 10,000 flowers. Each flower blossoms 10,000 times. Each blossom has 10,000 petals. You might want to see a specialist. (laughs) Okay. Number six, be aware of your body. Be aware of your perceptions. Keep in mind that not every physical sensation is a symptom of a terminal illness. And number seven, accept misfortune as a blessing. Do not wish for perfect health or a life without problems. What would you talk about? So that's that's from the Jewish perspective, and I just thought they were really fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Great tips of the week, and uh, really, uh, you know, brings the lighter side. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> and laughter's good medicine, right? It is definitely the best medicine. Yeah. Well, that on that note, I'm going to introduce our guest. We're really excited. And uh, Julie Hatch is a holistic parenting coach. She counsels parents through the ups and downs of the parenting years. I know about those. You know about those, Dr. Art. Yes. And helps them find solutions to their parenting challenges. She has 30 years of experience as a pediatric nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. 15 years ago, she changed her trajectory to pursue traditional Chinese medicine including acupuncture and herbal remedies. Her parenting, her parent coaching practices are unique in that Julie blends the East with the West. She takes the wisdom of Eastern medicine and blends it with her experience in Western medicine, 
can't do better than that. I got to tell you, she has recently published a book called A Parenting Revolution for Higher Evolution, Raising Resilient, Responsible, Compassionate Kids from the Inside Out, which is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And you can learn more about Julie. Well, you can visit her website. We'll be showing you uh, the website link at the end of the show. And she has a free offering for you folks, as all of our guests always do. So Julie, welcome to the show. Yes, here you are. Thank you, Christina. (laughs) Thank you very much for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here with you both. Oh, very, very nice to have you. And uh, um, I'm going to start with uh, the fact that I had a parenting coach when I was raising kids Mm. it wasn't a regular thing but i was lucky enough to have met one and it made all the difference Mm. interesting great yeah yeah but tell us why you wrote this book um i wrote this book because um probably mostly because i see i see a lot of anxiety and depression coming up with kids these days these days more than say 10 years ago, even though it was bad 10 years ago, but more recently, anxiety is just going up. It's just is rocketing high. I also hear, watch a lot of parents and a lot of parents ask me about what to do about their kids' behavior. And um, I'm not one to promote spanking or, you know, hitting a child, which I see a lot of people do. So I just, this, this book was meant to help parents look at their children and their parenting styles a little bit differently. And in what I think is a little bit of a healthy, more healthy manner. Awesome. So you mentioned the anxiety and depression. What, what do you think's going on here? That seems to have accelerated a lot in the last, I don't know, five years, three years, two, one year, whatever. Yeah, it definitely has accelerated. And it was accelerating before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that just, I think, just added to it and made it made it even yeah. worse. But I think that kids' anxieties come from two big, um, for two, happen for two big reasons. One is that one of their, one or both of their parents are anxious and the child learns to deal with problems and stresses with anxiety. They learn what is around them, what they, they, what's modeled to them. So they, they, that's what they see is, oh, well, anxiety is how you deal with, with life's problems. It doesn't have Mm. to be that way. Mm. And I think that the other thing is that parents put a lot, a lot of pressure on children and the older children, preteen and teen years, especially pressure to succeed and to excel and to get into the top college and all kinds of pressures. Um, Getting into a top college in and of itself is not a problem. It's the pressure that we put on kids. And um, this, this really hit home when I heard, I think it was at the very beginning of the pandemic, Colorado was declaring a pediatric mental health crisis and they interviewed a lot of kids and they were saying, and they were, I think they were teen years and they were saying, they said, you want to know what's wrong? You guys are putting way too much pressure on us. They, it came right from the kids' mouths. You guys are putting way too much pressure on us. So I think that those are the two um, big sources of anxiety in kids these days. Yeah. And um, we see it in movies. There are movies that show, in fact, um, I'm reminded of um Robin Williams and the Dead Poet Society, where mm. the kid kills himself because of the pressure of the father. It's just so overwhelming. 
So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that was an extreme, but it's, it's not necessarily out of the ordinary. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Very, very frightening. So um, you talk about holistic parenting, which is totally uh, my wheelhouse too. And <laughs> so I'd love to hear your, your take on holistic parenting. Yeah, the holistic parenting certainly comes from my um, Chinese medicine studies. And it's really, and it actually doesn't have to be Chinese medicine studies. I think that holistic parenting is mindful parenting, where we really pay attention to who our kids are, not so much on the behavior that they're exhibiting, but who they are at the core. And um, seeing the whole child, not just their athletic abilities, or not just their failing grades, or not just their class clown attributes, but the whole child, because they have a whole lot to offer. They are so much more than just that one dimension that we often focus on. So seeing the whole child. And mindful parenting, which is a part of holistic parenting, is um, paying attention, being present, I guess it's being consciously present with your child and listening to them, really listening to them, let them know that you're listening, that they matter, that they care. It's a matter of time and and actually not even that much time. It's just a matter of being conscious of, of where you are, what you're saying, what you're listening to. So it's, it's sort of a conscious kind of a thing, conscientious, not conscientious, conscious, um, mm-hmm. mindfulness, and just really paying attention to who your child is. And it can be difficult. Life is really busy and there's a zillion things to be doing all at the same time um, as, as a mom or as a working mom. But to be able to sit and just be with your child one-on-one for a period of time during the day is is part of holistic parenting. Yeah. So it's yeah. like our first uh, tip of the week. Be here now. Be somewhere else later. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I like yeah. that. I so, like the be somewhere else later part. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> But uh, that being present uh, with your child, I think, is just so important. Now, um, this holistic style, would you consider that the right way to do it? Or, or is there a better way? Or what, what do you? I don't think that there is. There are only very, I think that there are only a few things that you can do wrong as a parent. Um, mm-hmm. Parenting, for one thing, if you have more than one child, you know that they all need something different. It's not a right. one size fits all. So you can't just be a parent and meet all the needs of all of your children. Um, I think that the wrong way, I really don't believe in humiliating and embarrassing or hitting and which is also very humiliating, but, but degrading and which I see happen in public where they just, they are humiliated by parents who do not understand what they're saying and the impact that they have on their child. Kids are, kids pick up everything and they, even the most insensitive kids still is really sensitive to humiliation and embarrassment and um, made to feel really bad about themselves. So that I think is a wrong way to parent. Um, and beyond that, I don't think that there's necessarily a right way and a wrong way. I lean and I teach more towards the gentler, kinder way, which can't always be used all the time and with every child, but I, I lean more that way than the um, punishing stern Strange. Right. Yeah. 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 Are you um are you an advocate of Montessori? Yes, very much so. I had, I wish I had known more about Montessori when my kids were young, but I on my podcast I have um interviewed a, a person who has since become a friend who has educated me in Montessori. And Montessori, I think, is almost from what I understand, is almost the um 
educational side of what I teach in parenting and, and mm-hmm. the individual child and find their strengths. And yeah, so I, I yeah. definitely am a big proponent of Montessori. Yeah, it's really wonderful. And um, I think, uh, I think it makes a huge difference because it does what you say, you know, it, it, it even it's the teacher being there with the kids, really hearing what their hearts are saying, what they want, where, how yeah. they want to learn. And, and then hopefully because the parents have sent them to a Montessori school, that's the kind of parent that's going to really listen to what, what the kid wants, you know, right. what, what their propensities are. So yeah, yep. really yep. good. So you write about the five elements as a way to understand the energetics of a child. I thought that was pretty cool because I, I actually studied the five elements um, ah. and when I was doing chiropractic and ah. taking extra workshops in meridian therapy and, and Eastern medicine. So please tell us more. Yeah, I love the five elements. In fact, that was the foundation of my coaching and really of the book and and how a, a new way and I think a good helpful way to see one's child see your child and the five elements um at least according to Chinese medicine different different cultures have different um elements but in Chinese medicine the five elements are wood fire earth metal and water and every and each element type corresponds corresponds with so much of course they correspond with the time of year the season they correspond with um, different flavors with different but the way that I use is that they correspond with different personality traits Mm -hmm. and um, so wood children and fire children are both very young they're really outgoing I can get into details if you'd like but anyways they're very outgoing and they're very bright and ah and then water and metal are more yin which is more reserved and quieter and darker and then earth is sort of in the middle there so the five elements when you can identify your child's element type you can see what motivates them where what what drives them what is making them who they are what makes them make the choices that they do it it affects how they interact with the world around them it affects their personality it's just it says so much about the inner part of a child which is what i think parenting should really all about is getting to the and understand the inside of the child. So the element types help you to understand where they're coming from and their inside. And it teaches and it um, it's enlightening about what is motivating for your child, what makes them get up and go and enlivens them and gets them enthusiastic. And what are their stressors? And so those challenges that they have a really hard time with, and every element type has different challenges and different motivators. And so it's really a really fun, interesting way to view a child. And it takes away, um, I have a hard time with labeling. It takes away the labeling. I would rather label a child, a wood child, rather than a hyperactive pain in the butt. (laughs) (laughs) How true. How true. So that's the benefits of the elements. Now, is that what's different about your book that you, that you have these five elements? Or are there other differences that you think are important? The, um, the element types and certain lessons that I got from Chinese medicine, for instance, um, the Chinese talk about Wu Wei, W-U-W-E-I, and that talks about going with the flow. Um, there's great Chinese stories about there, there are stories that, that exemplify what Wu Wei means, but it's generally going with the flow, not not 
trying to push something that's not meant to be, not trying not to put a square hole into a round peg, not trying not to force your child to mm-hmm. be something that they're not just, they're not meant to be. Mm-hmm. For instance, well, I, I won't get into that right now, but so, it, so it's going with the flow, not, not rolling over and getting stepped on. That's not it, but it's, it's accepting what is and trying to work with what is. And rather than with the emphasis being trying not to resist and change and make something that's not meant to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's interesting is I think that, I think that young people pick up what society thinks is the way to go. Mm-hmm. So that even if the parent isn't pushing and an example is my own uh, youngest child who is 21 and he was on track to get a degree as um, an aerospace engineer. And he had two years and COVID really Mm. screwed up. He's a very hands-on, you know, active learner that has to be in the classroom. And with COVID, um, he was on a computer and and alone in a room, you know. Um, And it really ruined his college experience. But not only that, the pressures he felt, we never said you have to go to college. We mm-hmm. never said it was him saying, I want to be an aerospace engineer. Mm-hmm. I want this. I, I, this is, and, and when we talked to him, cause he's now not doing that. Um, he came home and decided he wanted to uh, pursue something else and he's not going back to college. And, but when he was struggling with the choice he was struggling with the feeling that if he didn't go to college, he didn't, he didn't have, it, it, it was almost like it was a shame, you know, yeah. that he, he needs to be college graduate in order to live up to something. And that was never something we said. We, we encouraged college. We thought it was great because he wanted to, that was the avenue he needed to take if he was going to be an aerospace engineer. Yeah. So um, now he's very happy teaching Taekwondo. He's a, a fourth degree black belt and he's uh, got a lot of responsibilities at the, t- at the dojo and loving it. That's really, that's very, very interesting. Cause he was, so he was putting on pressure, his own pressure on himself, nothing mm-hmm. to do at all with his parents, with you, right. his parents. Um, and that's interesting that, so I wonder what would have happened if he had, if COVID hadn't happened and if he had gone to the hands-on aerospace school. Yeah, it might have been different. It it might, it might well have been different, but he had always struggled with the math uh, aspect, even though he was able to do it. um, It it was, it was challenging because, you know, when you get into that much calculus and things, yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Well, that's very interesting. Well, I'm glad that he's at a place where it feels right to him. That's that's almost like a, I don't know, a change of destiny and fate or something I, I don't know it's interesting yeah, it is interesting and and I think it's a blessing I I yeah. think you know college is not for everybody and it's no, okay definitely yeah. not yeah so well um you know what I was thinking as I was uh, it, because we have listeners uh, who may not be parents but um it seems to me that your approach is really good for people who need to parent their inner child Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. For parenting our inner child. Absolutely. And actually, I think if all parents before they became parents paid attention to their inner child and did some of their own inner work, um, which we all need, (laughs) 
And once you become a parent, we need it even more so, I think. Yeah. But but definitely, um, yeah, you can you can definitely use this system to parent yourself, your own inner child, your spouse's inner child, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very cool. And uh, could you say something about how this applies to grandparenting? Uh, I'm not a, a grand. <laughs> I'm not a grandparent yet, so I can't really speak from experience. But I think that this is. Um, I think this is great for grandparents. This is a again, again. I think that I think from what I've seen from my parents and other grandparents is that grandparenting could be a, is a kind of gentler way of parenting. You don't have to, you, like you say, you're one step removed, and you and you're you can have a little bit more fun with it. I think from what I see. Um, but I think that this is helpful. I think that the only reason that it would be difficult is that if, um, the parents parented a certain way and grandparents either according to the way that I talk, talk about, or that the grandparents do, but what's most important is that they come together and they give the parent, the kids the same message, whether it's my message or somebody else's message. Um, but yeah, it would absolutely work. It works. It works well with anybody who deals with kids, especially kids one-on-one or just a few on one. I have presented it to um, teachers I've, uh, and, that, and it's a little bit trickier for teachers because it's very individualized for the element type and chi- it's a very individual child kind of approach. So mm-hmm. when you have a classroom of 15 or 20 kids, you, it's a little bit harder. It's helpful. No caller. It's helpful. It's helpful to make you aware of what each child is about, but it's really hard to attend to every child's individual needs based on this kind of a, an approach. Sure, absolutely. Well, you have an entire chapter that is devoted to kids and nature mm. and the importance of raising kids with nature. You want to talk about that? Yes, there's, um, which I believe, I've always believed, I was brought up spending a lot of time in nature. I brought my kids up spending a lot of time in nature. And mm, a few years ago, I read a book called Last Child in the Woods by Richard Louvre. And he has coined the phrase, the nature deficit disorder, that there mm-hmm. is a true disorder that we are not getting enough nature, nature in our, in our days. Um, and I see it. And he, and he talks about it, that there are children. And again, I see it, the children that would rather be inside on their devices, you get them to go outside and it's too bright and the air doesn't feel right. And they feel uncomfortable outside and they want to retreat back inside, which is such a shame. If we can't be connected to the outside, to our natural surroundings, we are in big trouble. <laughs> um, so I think that we need to make a concerted effort to, and I know that there's some schools that do this to get kids outside. You don't have to go anywhere extravagant, just onto some grass or to a city park with a tree. And just being around um, nature is beneficial. The for what there's in nature, there's negative ions, which are good air particles. They're the air particles mm-hmm. that you feel like around. Um, Niagara Falls or just they feel really good and they're really good for the for the head for the brain so it's there have been studies a lot of studies that show that time in nature helps with ADHD helps with definitely helps with depression helps with cognitive development um, helps with so many different things just time in nature and it's and it sounds really simple and very unscientific but it's it is scientific there are studies that show why it works um, but it really does. There's, I think, um, 
I don't know, one of the Scandinavian countries, doctors will now write out a prescription pad, must spend X amount of time out in nature every week. And that is a prescription rather than a pill. They say time in nature. And it does sound simple, but I think that it makes a world of difference. And it's it's easy enough. Again, we just have to take the time and remember to do it. But it's easy enough to get your child out into nature, playing in the mud, picking flowers, whatever it is, it's just which also lends itself to just free play, which is a whole other benefit for kids to be able to be unstructured and do what they want. Climb a tree, do somersaults, roll down a hill, um, stomp in the puddles, whatever it may be. It's so good for kids to play that way. Absolutely. So So, true. About your vision of, of this higher evolution that you're striving toward. Yeah, the high, higher evolution, I think, for all of humankind, but specifically for kids, kids is the place to start if we're wanting for to get, I don't know, the way that the world is now, we could either be going down the tubes really fast, or we could try to raise ourselves up and be have a, a higher evolution. But especially with kids, because they are still, I don't know if I want to use the word malleable, but shapeable, we could influence them more now than when they get to be older. So we have, they're more under our influence. So a higher evolution in my mind are kids that are, as I said, it's the subtitle of the book that are resilient, that they don't fall down and cry and get anxious and not know how to deal with things. Mm -hmm. Um, Resilient, responsible, that they take responsibility for their own actions, um, which is kids should be doing anyways. We should be teaching them as they grow up and they should reach adulthood being responsible and compassionate and compassionate is another step, I think, higher in, in evolution in terms of um, being, compa- being compassionate to other people rather than being selfish and thinking about oneself all the time and possibly even being more concerned about hurting other people, but rather have a more compassionate, again, a kinder, gentler way of, of living. I see what I, what I would like to get, see us get away from is so much materialism, so much um, self-worth attached to the exterior, what Facebook is saying about you or TikTok or Twitter or whatever they're using. Um, the, um, uh, along with materialism, the status, like or the status of going to an Ivy League college or the status of making a million dollars a year, which is all in and of itself is not bad, but when it's the, um, it's what's driving people at the exclusion of compassion and resilience and responsibility, then, then it's not so good. So it's those, I guess, higher values. Mm, Yeah. yeah, Values. (laughs) For sure. And is that part of what you teach then or what's in the book or uh, not? That's what I hope is the end result from the end um, result. Okay. That's where we're headed. Okay. Yep. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this, because, you know, you obviously had many years as a um, pediatric um, nurse uh, practitioner. And what was the impetus for you to move into the Eastern studies and and expand? I, I can I understand it totally, but I just think our audience would like to hear why someone successful in the medical community would move into the, the Eastern. Uh... Yeah, I loved my work. I worked always in intensive care, either pediatric or neonatal, and I loved it. I loved the adrenaline. I loved the excitement. I loved the different stuff. You never knew what you're going to face from day to day. But I found myself and I heard myself and other people saying that pretty much 
And intensive care is different. Western medicine in that area, I think, is very necessary. That That's what Western medicine is for, is for the acute, intensive, emergent kind of stuff. But when I was in primary care, um, it was largely medications and surgeries is the way to solve problems. And I, so that mixed with, I took, um, I went on a medical mission trip to Brazil um, to help kids with cancer. And what came out of that is that I couldn't practice any kind of nursing or medicine or didn't speak Portuguese. So I didn't, wasn't able to do what I went down there to do. And I came back with this, um, I had been exposed to power of touch and non-verbal non, um, communication and, you know, a love, a hug, a smile, other ways of delivering health. I worked mostly with the mothers while the kids were getting their chemotherapy, mm-hmm. um, a group of us. So I came back and saw that there's a, a different way to go about promoting health. For one thing, preventing illness is a good way rather than treating illness, um, preventing illness, promoting a healthier lifestyle, a healthier way of living which then took me to Reiki and massage therapy and all these different things and finally landed on acupuncture, which um, is, is great, great medicine, I think, Chinese medicine. I think there are many great, um, and I would like to call it integrative medicine, not alternative. It's not either yes. or. There's a place for, for both. Yes. Um, so integrative medicine that there's a lot to be offered from uh, integrative complementary modalities. Absolutely. Can you share with us um, some interesting stories without revealing names of parenting situations uh, and people who have found you and that you've worked with and what kinds of changes you've seen in the children? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I've got a couple of examples. Uh, The first that comes to mind is a... um, young, not young girl, well, a girl, 12, about 12 years old, 12 or 13 years old, who came to me for um, headaches, migraine headaches. And um, so while the needles were in her, I would be talking with the mother. And it came out that the mother was um, concerned that her daughter was depressed. She didn't strike me as a depressed daughter, but she, she thought she was depressed. And so we did the element quiz and found out that her daughter was a water type, which means that she was very artistic. And it it all hit true to the mother. She said, absolutely, this is my daughter. Very artistic, had only a couple of good friends, did not need a whole lot of friends. She liked to come home after school, go into her room and do her drawing, which was really phenomenal um, artwork. Hmm. And... um, so she was, she was very withdrawn. She's not withdrawn. Isn't the right word. She was just water type. She was, she was water types are really in their head. They're very creative. They are philosophers. Um, and again, they do not need, they don't like being around a whole lot of people. It's that's one of their stressors is when they're told that they have to be around a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Her mother was a fire type and fire types love being around people and are really charismatic and energetic and always on the go and looking for more friends and the bright, shiny. So they're just, Phew! so I pointed out to her that her daughter is a water type and she's a fire type. And they, they, now that they clash, she needs to understand that her daughter is not like her. Her daughter is not a fire type. Mm-hmm. And that made sense to the mother. And she went back to the, the daughter was seeing a psych, 
a therapist of some sort at the time. And the therapist said, yeah, no, your daughter's not depressed. So that confirmed <laughs> through a medical person <laughs> that no, her daughter was not depressed. So that made a big difference with the mother-child interaction because she wanted her to be going to the prom and do all these parties. And the daughter was just like, no. <laughs> so that was just, just, just making her the mother aware of what her daughter really was all about made a difference. That is and then, huge. Yeah, yeah. It was really cool to watch. Um, and then other things, small little here and there, I see a lot of people, um, the people actually my age, either mothers with older kids or, or grandmothers with younger kids who are punishing their kids for a certain behavior. And um, I'm always very, uh, punishment is, a, I think, a, a tricky kind of a thing. You want to discipline, you want to teach them right from wrong, you want to let them know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. But a lot of times they're being punished for a trait in their element type that is what is their motivators. And the biggest example is little boys who are really active. They are competitive. They're active. They're loud. They're wood types. And so when they're told that they, as a punishment, that they have to sit still for, you know, sit in time out or sit still or go inside and play by yourself for a half an hour, not even play, be by yourself for half an hour, that stresses them. They can't stand sitting still and it makes the problem worse. So there needs to be another way to get around their um, boisterous hyperactivity. And they have to certainly be taught what is appropriate and what's not appropriate, but forcing them to sit still and be quiet, which is completely against what a wood child is, doesn't work. So I try to help them find other ways to work with their exuberant young boys. You know, that's so, so important. I, I, I raised boys. And yeah, me too. <laughs> I remember going, we were, we were uh, at a, a vacation and there was a woman there that had two girls and they were young. They the the boys were young. The girls were young. Like uh, you know the the five to eight range, and the girls were sitting quietly next to their mother, and they were happy to be in this group of adults and children, and they were just so calm. And my boys, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so I did a lot of. Uh, I spent a lot of time just doing whatever it was that they needed because it just wasn't going to work socially and that's okay. You know, right. it, it, a lot of it is the mother's uh, embarrassment or thinking, well, we have to conform. Well, why right? the hell do we have to conform? <laughs> yes, exactly. I like that. Um, yeah. Uh, that made me think of something else that I wanted to say, but it also makes me think of when you have behavior challenging behavior behavior so i'm taking this just a little step further behavior mm -hmm. i think is a symptom of something that's going on in, in the way that i'm talking about something going on in their element type behavior is just an expression that something isn't right that i don't want to sit still um and so i'm going to act out so it's not they don't kids don't wake up in the morning and say i'm going to be a badass today <laughs> At least yeah. the young kids, they just, it's a, it's a reaction. It's a way of communicating that something doesn't fit right. They can't always express the way that they're feeling inside. So they have to act it out. And so it behooves us to sit and pay attention and try to get at what that is that they're trying to express to us. And oftentimes it's something out of balance with their um, inner element type. Yeah. I've had to coach some employees that uh, way sometimes. And they say, well, my boss, 
I think he's just out to get me. And I said, I promise you, your boss doesn't get up every day and say, how can I terrorize this employee? Or but, but it usually comes, it's a stress behavior. You know, something's not going well for them and they're acting out. And you're the, unfortunately, you're the one that gets it, but it, it's right. not a natural behavior to, you know, mm-hmm. for, for people to have. Very true. Yep. So I, uh, I had another article we were talking about uh, earlier, this psychologist that I was reading, uh, child psychologist. He said, uh, if you have a rule and you want that rule followed, and it's got to be a really important rule, then you're going to have fights about it uh, with your kids. They're going to resist. They're going to see how serious are you? And, you know, do I really have to do this or not? And he said, if you have a rule, don't ever lose one of those fights because if you do, it's no longer a rule. <laughs> it won't last, you know. So yep. just go to the mat with it. And so I, I looked around at parents who were having fights over for boys, uh, length of their hair. And I just decided I'm not having a fight over that because I probably had hair longer than they did, you know. And so I, I knew what that was all about. Yep. And I said, here's my rule though it's got to be clean. And mm-hmm. if it's not clean, while you're asleep, I'm going to come in and cut it off. You know? <laughs> they had the cleanest long hair. There you, you go. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, had a, we had a kind of an understanding about what the rules were. And, uh, yeah. I thought that was good advice. You know, don't... It, yeah, it is good advice. I tell parents that, so for that, for that reason, for what you're talking about, you don't want to have 20 rules in the house that they have to follow because oh, no. you have to follow up on enforcing those yeah. rules. He said no more than three rules. That was his rule was yep. no more than three. <laughs> that's a, that's it because you do, you have to be, you have yeah. to back up your rule every single time. Every you can't say, time. Oh, I'm yeah. tired. I can't deal yeah. with that. You got to do it. You got to do I, it. Yeah. yeah. So I tell parents that there are, cause some parents, a lot of parents make a rule out of everything. And then when a child mm-hmm. understands that they can get away with it once, then forget about it. If there's no yeah. consistency, well, then forget yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. So there's above the line, there's below the line. Above the line are those really, really important rules. Like they're usually around safety that this is not okay. You can't go running out of the yard when you're a toddler, whatever they are, yeah. no mm-hmm. drunk um, drinking and driving safety, often safety. So really, really important. Cleaning the room, yeah, that'd be nice, but it's not that important. So those are the below the line. There are a whole lot of below the line rules that would be nice, but it's not all that important. And you can choose to follow through on them sometimes, but not all the time, but don't expect them to be followed through on. Um, So so if you can separate the above the line, I think three is a good good number because that's doable. And then everything else falls below the line. And (laughs) yeah. The other one was where they would want me to tell them what to do in, in areas where they were growing up. And uh, one of them, uh, that dad, my teacher says, don't take senior math. And I said, okay, well, they know a lot about who, who's good at math and who's not. So probably mess up your grade point average if you if you take it. And, yeah, but if I don't take it, I won't get into college that I want to go yeah. to. Yeah. Well, then you're going to have to take it. Well, what if I fail? And it, you know, I said, <laughs> Okay, so tell me what to do. And I said, oh, no, I'm not. You, know, you are going to do the whole work. You're the one taking the test. I will support you. Whatever you choose, I'll back you up. 
And he said, but I might be wrong. And I said, yeah, welcome to adulthood. You know? <laughs> Good for you. I liked it when the rules were you do this and it's right and this is wrong. And then you know it. I said, no, <laughs> it doesn't get that way. <laughs> so true. Very good points. Yes, absolutely. I, uh, you know, the hardest thing for me when I was making rules or when I was uh, declaring a punishment was, wait a minute. I have to live with this. <laughs> I have to enforce this. Have to force it. Yeah. <laughs> Do I have the time? Do I have the energy? <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. I went through that all the time. Hmm. What am I going to do? How am I going to enforce this being grounded and time out? And yeah. I got my own life. Right. I have to go to work. <laughs> so yeah, it can be, it's definitely challenging. Yeah, no doubt. Cool. So what do you think technology and social media is doing to our, our kids? What, do you have anything good to say about them? Or, uh... <laughs> I, I think technology is, um, is, is great. I think the technology offers a whole lot. Kids are better at it than adults are in many of the things in terms of computers and phones and stuff like that. They, especially the kids that were born with iPhones in their hands, yeah. they know that stuff better than it's in their DNA, practically, I think. Oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that it's a great thing. I mean, to, for one thing, it's here and it's moving forward. So we need to adapt to it. Um, during the pandemic, I think that, or even not even the pandemic, I think phones can be really helpful. Like I don't, when my kids were younger, um, than they are now, I didn't worry so much. Knowing they had a phone, they could call me if they were in trouble or if they needed mm-hmm. help or if they need something. There was I right. was always within reach. Um, so there's a lot, a lot of benefits to them. However, when you put a phone in front of a uh, six-month-old <laughs> or in the hands of and keeping them occupied, you know, I can yeah. understand why that happens, but I think that that can be a little bit. So, so I think it's the responsibility of how we use the technology is what's really important. How much time kids spend on their devices is having a big impact problematically with social interactions, with school, with behavior, even um, pediatricians. I think the they claim that kids under 12, maybe 17, maybe I'm not sure shouldn't be on them for more than two hours a day, which I just laugh at because, yeah, I, I don't see that being enforced. But they say that it has it gets detrimental if they're on more than that. Social media, I think, um, is really problematic, uh, especially in the teen years for, um, again, feeling of self-worth, how you match up against the next person who is who is looks like they're having the greatest time of their life. They do, you know, whatever they do, they'll Photoshop, whatever to make themselves look good. And, and even if the teenager is saying, Oh yeah, they're just Photoshopping or it still gets to them. It really, it makes, it compares them, makes them feel really badly in comparison to what they're seeing on TikTok and Facebook and Twitter Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And I think that that is until a child has a much better sense of self. I think that we got to be really careful about what we do, what we use social media for. Well, it's not really that different from the fact that, you know, growing up, there was Glamour magazine, there was Vogue, there was uh, Cosmopolitan. And my God, I'd look at these women and think, I don't look like that. What, you know, I guess I'm not okay. Right. It's chronic. So it doesn't matter whether it's a phone in your hand or a magazine. That is kind of how it is when there's this promotion of what's perfection 
you know? Yes. Especially, especially for girls and beauty and, and sexiness and that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's one of the reasons why if you start early, early, early at promoting inner, inner confidence, feeling good about themselves, that getting in touch with what they really are all about and feeling good about it. And, and they start to feel good about it because the, they see from the parent that they should feel good about it. Okay. So you're really shy and you would rather be drawing than going out playing with your friends. Great. That's okay. Rather than make them feel ashamed or like they don't match up because they're not as popular as their friends. They're not, that's not the way that's not their MO. Yeah. So I think that to foster inner inner strength and inner worth is where it's at. Now, teaching about comparisons, I think, is really important. You know, if you're going to compare, uh, compare to yourself, not to other people. Or, or yeah. you know, there are a lot of rules that you can make about how to do it that works, and some of them that if you do it wrong, it's really painful. You know, right. Yeah. You're picking Very the true. wrong reference group to compare yourself to and that one of the sayings that I got uh, from somewhere I don't know there's always somebody who's more x than you are and there's always people that are less x than you are right doesn't make any difference what that x is that you're, you're gonna find that you know so don't go comparing yourself only to one group and uh, e- either way can be a problem if you if you always pick the one group and yeah and I think that has always been a problem for teenagers, as you said, Christine. It's always it's always been present, and teenage years are really vulnerable years to yeah. going yeah. through comparisons. That's yeah. when you're trying to figure out who you are, I guess. Yeah. And and a lot of, one of the interesting things I heard, they said, "Why do kids do so many dumb things?" Is because you've told them, um, "Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this," you know, and they're looking for. I got to pick something that they haven't told me anything about. Otherwise, I'm just doing what they said, and I want to do what I think. And so I got to pick something dumb because they never mentioned that, you know. So it was kind of a, a of a horrible uh, outcome from making too many rules about what you can do and what you can't do. Yep. Well, um, I would love for you to talk about um, whether some of the parents you talk to uh, that that hire you um, have a sense when they when they realize what they've done it, that may have hurt the child, whether they've imposed their own idea of how the child should live their life, how what, what they how they should turn out. Do you find that the parents go through this kind of guilt feeling or, you know, how do you how do you help those parents? Yeah, absolutely. There's guilt. I think that even when you're being doing the absolute best job that you possibly can, there's still guilt. I think it comes with a title of parent. Totally. Um, And so I try to convince them to just to move forward. You can't, what's done is done. And um, just to move forward and let's start from where we're at here and figure out what steps we're going to take to not erase what you've done, but build on the good things that you've done. Mm-hmm. And build on the positives about your child and let let what you've done. I mean, we've all, I am no Miss, Mrs. Mom at all. <laughs> I mean, definitely made a lot of mistakes. And so, and actually that's, it adds a little more um, 
texture to yeah. the kids' lives and my life is a little bit of the screw ups. But so the, to try to, I mean, again, we're all, we're, it's just comes with the territories to be guilty, but try to get beyond that and build on the positives and yeah, build on the positives and go forward. I love that. I think that's really, um, yeah, that's very healing. And hopefully it's something that the parents you work with can really embrace and um, when they see the change in their child, that's the reward. Really. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Well, we are just about out of time. So what I would really like is to show, um, I need to share screens and show the website. And maybe you can talk about your free offer. Let me find, ah, there we go. So tell people what you're offering to help them. Yes. If you go to... Um, my website, which is juliephillipshatch.com, right there on the screen. Uh, I offer a free 20, and if it takes 30 minutes, that's fine, uh, 20 to 30 minute consultation just for you to call and talk about whatever is going on with, between you and your child. Um, doesn't matter what it is, and um, just talk about it. And I can either offer you um, uh, solutions or ideas for solutions. And we can just just talk about it. Offer I'll offer you a few things, and then we can decide whether you want to talk again. And then we take it, and then we take it further. But just a just an introductory, no commitment at all, twenty to thirty minute conversation. And you can find that on um, one of the, maybe contact one of the pages on the website, juliephillips.com. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and your book uh, it can be found on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, correct? Yes, and that also there's a page on my website for that, which just takes you to the um, Amazon link. But there is a link on my on my website under the book section. And the name of your book, if you would uh, state that again. Yes, it is a parenting revolution for higher evolution, raising uh, resilient, responsible, compassionate kids from the inside out. Oh, I love it! I love it. Well, so, this is. Go there ahead. Three, three takeaways that you would like for parents to hear from you uh, in person before they dive into the book. Yeah, um, I think that one would be to, um, as the doctors say, do no harm. That's like number one, Hippocratic, do no harm. And so even if everybody just stopped embarrassing and humiliating and yelling at <laughs> and degrading their children, which is really harmful, that right. would make a huge difference, just that. Right. So do no harm. Um, I would say get outside, get your child outside into nature. Yeah, into nature. Um, and number three, I would say to lighten up a little bit. Don't feel guilty. Try not to feel so badly and, and so serious. And like, it's like every decision is life or death. Lighten up, have fun with your kids, laugh a little more and yell a little less and, and really just see if you can take a breath and lighten up a little bit. <laughs> Awesome. I, I, I would have to put in uh, learn a little bit about the five elements. I think that's just yeah. brilliant. Uh, that really helps uh, to provide some sort of a framework for for seeing through to your child's being. You know what they're what they're really uh, like. Yes. And where they're coming from. Definitely. In the book, there is a um, goes through each individual element type, and there's a quiz mm -hmm. at the back, so you can take one for. One child, all of your children for yourself, and you can see how they all interact with each other. It's, um, I, it's really, yeah, it's really helpful. Thank you for mentioning that. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Julie. We really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm hoping our audience got some really good tips from you. Julie, this has really been good. I know that the the parents out there particularly are going to really just be so glad they tuned in. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, folks, another Friday night, and we uh, we hope you got some benefit from listening to the show, listening to our amazing guest. And uh, if you'd like to be a subscriber and help us keep the lights on here, you can go to our show page, and uh, it's easy enough. Just click on the link, and all the options are there. Um, we hope you'll tune in every Friday night because we have a whole lineup of some amazing guests this summer and we're pretty excited. So with that, Dr. Art, anything you want to say? I um, wish that I had had that kind of advice uh, about uh, 40 years ago. That would have helped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it sure would. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, it was, it was truly inspiring and really well. uh, yeah. So, well, goodbye, everybody. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Lots of love. See you later. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed this show, please consider being a supporter. You can find that on our show page. Tune in every Friday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash new reality show for announcements of upcoming topics and exciting guest interviews. Bye for now.